0: And I worked and I worked and I worked and I worked and I finally said, "You know what? I'm just going to tell my God lots of them, you know." But the one question that I never have anymore, and and maybe I'm not sure I ever had it, but the question that I never have is, "Does God love me deeply?" It just never it never comes to. It's not one of those things I I think about anymore. That's the that's the place that I've placed. That's the that's the place that I've put my faith, and so. So. Tonight, I want to tell you a little bit about me. For those of you that don't know me, my name is Jeremy. I've been here at the church for f- um, over 14 years, and I've been a youth pastor for over 20, which makes me older than many of you. Um, in fact, I've been in youth ministry longer than most of you have been alive, uh, and I'm very cognizant of how old I am today. I was telling somebody back in the back and saying, "My back just hurts. Like I don't know when it started." I just know that one day I turned old and my back started hurting all the time. And I'm very active. Some of you are like, well, maybe you should work out or something. I get it. Look, I don't, just because I don't look like I'm active doesn't mean I'm not active. Like, I do stuff. But anyway, I'm old. So um, I was born. Some of you are about to do some math, and you're going to be like, wait a minute. I was born. I'm a bicentennial baby, which means I was born. How many of you know what year that is? Good. I was born 1976. I was born on All Saints Day, which is appropriate, I believe. But I was born on All Saints Day. Does anybody know what All Saints Day is? It is November the first. So I was born November the first, 1976. It is, and I never tell anybody. I never tell anybody. But I, um, when I turned 30, when I turned 30, uh, my family asked me what I wanted because they were like, "This is such a milestone." It was a Wednesday night, and I said, "Just come hear me preach." So we were in here when I turned 30. So, so today's Halloween. And uh, I was almost—I was born in the morning on November first, so I was almost born on Halloween. Which is, if I don't know if you guys know this theologically, it's Satan's birthday. I'm just kidding. I'm just, I like people looked at me. We were like, "Oh, oh, no wonder everybody dresses like witches and warlocks. Um, it is Satan's birthday." I'm just kidding. I want to—I want to give you two thoughts tonight, just two quick thoughts, and. Uh, I want to read from Philippians chapter 1, if you'll look in Philippians chapter 1 with me. Philippians is this beautiful letter that Paul writes. Uh, Paul is a, an apostle of Jesus Christ. What's so cool about Paul is, is Paul uh, originally was named Saul, and uh, he was killing Christians just a, just a few years after Jesus had already left the earth. He's killing all these Christians, and Jesus comes back. To earth in a vision, and says Saul, "What are you doing, killing me?" And Saul says, "What do you mean? I'm not killing you." And Jesus says, "Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're killing. You're killing me." And all of a sudden, Saul is changed forever and becomes the prolific writer that he is. And all I mean by that is, is he writes a third of the entire New Testament. So he goes from killing Christians to helping Christians. And uh, in Philippians chapter 1, he says this. If you'll look in your notes with me, I'm just going to read this short text right here. Philippians chapter 1, he's talking to a church, a specific church in this area called Philippi. And he says, I thank God every time that I remember you. In all of my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy. So he's saying every time that he thinks about them his prayers are joy. How many of you have ever prayed for somebody and your prayers aren't joy? Your prayers are like you're scared for them. Like you're scared you're like, "Oh my God, every time I think about them I'm like, God, are you going to you got to do something. Their there's their their life is crazy right now." So he says every time he prays for them he thinks joyfully. He says I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And this is this is this is been my favorite verse in all of the Bible for years and years and years. Verse 6, it says, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on into completion. Paul says this, I have have all of the confidence in the world that the same God that began a work in you is going to finish the work he started. I was born in 1976, and I was a, I was born, my dad was a, my dad, we, we counted it up the other day. He had like 22 jobs, just 22 jobs. No big deal, right? So he had like 22 jobs. I've had three. And uh, he, he did all kinds of stuff. And uh, he, worked, he was a banker. He was a miner. He, was a, he just did a lot of different things. And um, when I was in eighth grade, I'd grown up in the same city all of my life. I'd grown up in Hueytown. Hueytown, you guys have probably heard of Hueytown. I'd gone to the same church, grown up in the same city. And I loved, I loved my school. I go on the same school or at least the same group of friends. You know you go through different elementary and, and so I was in middle school. I was at I was at Pittman Junior High School that would later become Pittman Middle School, but because of the initials, they had to change it to Hueytown Middle School. So anyway, I was going to I was going to Pittman Junior High School. <clears throat> It'll get there. And then I um and then I um uh my dad came to us one night and he said he said I uh He told me and my, I have two brothers and a sister. I'm the oldest, uh, the most mature, the most intelligent, um, the the kindest, and without a doubt, the most humble. So my dad came to us four and uh, with my mom, he said, God's called me to ministry. And I was like, okay, what does that mean? He said, God wants me to be a preacher, and we're going to move to Florida, and um, I'm going to go to Bible college. And so in eighth grade, Uh, my parents moved us to Florida where I went to, I I left this school where I had known, I I, I really knew, I felt like I knew everybody and I had tons of friends and now all of a sudden I'm starting eighth grade and I don't know a single soul. Um, I want to give you two thoughts tonight. The first one is this. In my life as I look back and I reflect over it for 42 years now, I see that God's always been close. He's always been close. I've lived through some elated and um, really exciting times some fun times i've lived life where things i didn't think could get any better and i've also lived through times that i think that, th- that i'm not sure things could ever get worse i have seen the greatest of life and i have seen the tragedy of life and what i see when i look back is i see that god's always been close he's always been close to me I didn't always see him there, but when I look back, I go, he was, all, he, he was right there. I can tell he was there. I remember being in, um, after we had moved down for about a month, I remember one night I was crying myself to sleep, which is, for those of you that know me know that that's not really a big deal that he was crying. I'm a, I'm a crier. I just cry a lot. I can't help it. It's not a big deal. I've, I've come to terms with it. Um, I cry at every movie that I watch, and I generally will cry. If it's a good preview, I'm going to cry during at least one preview. The other day I was watching the preview for, now I want I want to set this up for a second. I was watching the preview for um, what's the new not Harry Potter but the but the but the second movie in this new series? So Fantastic Beats part beats. No, but Fantastic Beasts part two. I started crying during the during the trailer for Fantastic Beasts part two. I have never seen one Harry Potter or Fantastic Beast movie just started crying. I was like, that's going to be good. That's going to be really good. <laughs> so I'm just crying. But I'm in eighth grade, I'm crying myself to sleep. I have no friends. I haven't met anybody. The only friends that I have, I, I, was, I was in the band, and I had, met, I had met one dude that played the trumpet, and he was better than me, and he made sure that I knew it. And I was like, God, my one friend just talks down to me all the time that he's a better trumpet player. Little did I know he wasn't cool either, so it didn't. So, so all I know is I've got half of one friend. I, the very first day I was at school, I sat by myself at lunch table, and I know some of you have done that before. Some of you are okay with that. Some of you are like, I would rather sit by. Have you? If you only knew humanity, you would want to sit by yourself too. But I, I, I sat by myself, and I was a very, I was a social butterfly. I had tons of friends, and now all of a sudden here I am sitting at lunch table all by myself. That's a, that's a, that's a tough place to be, when all of a sudden you're sitting at lunch table by yourself, and you go. Like what are we doing? What are we doing here? And this girl came over and sat at my table. This had to be God. She was beautiful and a cheerleader, and she came and sat beside me and said, "Aw." And then I went, "Crap!" I'm like I'm not a puppy. She's like, "Aw, are you new?" I said, "I am." Except then I said, "I am," and, um, and I, was, I was very new. And she sat beside me, and she sat beside me for the next few weeks until I found some friends to sit beside. I was in Florida for just a year and a half. Dad finished Bible college. We moved back to Hueytown for one semester. Then we moved up to Huntsville. I was in four schools in four years. And by the way, that's tough. Four schools in four years, and I moved up to Huntsville. But every time that I look back over my life, I see that God was always close. He was always close. The second thought that I want to give you is this. And I want to spend just an extra minute here and then we're going to get outside and we're going to roast some marshmallows and some hot dogs and have a good time and I'm going to try not to let the fire get as big as it was last year where the fire department got called and I got in trouble. Um, I'm okay with getting in trouble for you guys um, as long as I don't get fined. So the second thought is this. I don't know a better way to say this other than just God has always kept me on a short leash. Now, speaking of puppy dogs, right? But I, I feel like, I feel like all of my life, God had this idea of what he wanted me to do with my life, and he just kept chasing me down and never letting me derail it, never letting me make decisions where I got off track and I got away from being able to hear what he wanted to do. I, I, I had something that is extremely dangerous. It, all of you don't have this. Some of you do. But I had something in my life that is probably the greatest thing that God could have ever given me, but I had praying parents, and if you have parents that pray for you, tough luck—they are going to—they're gonna catch you doing stupid stuff all of the time. And I—I I used to get caught. Everything that I tried to do that was dumb, I would always get caught, and I just knew it. I knew I was gonna. I was like, I just want to do something dumb and get away with it for once. I never. I. I so, so I never really was one of those kind of kids that try, I, never, I was never going to go out and smoke, and I was never going to go out and drink, and I was never going to go out and do drugs. That wasn't my thing for two reasons. One was I just kept hearing God in the back of my head saying, that's not you. That's not your best. That's not what's best for you. The other thing that I kept hearing over and over in the back of my head was my dad's voice saying, if you do that, I'm going to kill you. And so between those two voices, God just kept me on this short leash. I remember one time I was a, I was a, uh, I just always got caught. I always got caught. I remember one time I was in 10th grade and um, we had cable at our house. Um, Some of my teenagers have heard this before. Um, I hope to make you equally as uncomfortable as I usually do. We were at a, um, my parents never let me have a television in my room. Right, it just was again. Anybody whose parents not let you have a television in your room? I see my own daughters raising their hand. You're welcome. I, um, I, I could never have a television in my room, and my mom talked my dad when I was in tenth grade into letting me have a television in my room so that I could play video games. Our video games were very different than your video games. I had a I had a Nintendo, like the Nintendo, the NES, the original game system. So I was playing Super Mario and Donkey Donkey Kong Country. No, Donkey, I don't know what I was playing, but I was playing those games. And Duck Hunt. Y'all know Duck Hunt? Yeah. Let me tell you a secret that many of you don't know. I don't know if you know this, but one person is shooting. Did you know the other controller controls the duck? You're welcome. <clears throat> yes, you're welcome for that. So that's Duck Hunt. It's a secret many of you don't know. So I was playing video games. One night, I, was, I snuck over into the garage, and I found a cable, and there was a, there was a coaxial Y'all don't even know what any of that means. Anyway, I was able to plug a wire into the wall and then into the television, and I had cable in my room, and I was like, yes, now I'm going to watch TV. And I remember staying up. It was during the World Series. So I remember staying up several nights to watch the World Series back in the early 90s. I still remember the Pirates were playing somebody, and I can't remember. And Barry Bonds had not come over to the Giants yet. Anyway, that's how old I am. So I was watching them play. Oh, it wasn't the World Series; it was the National League Championship Series when the Pirates were playing the Atlanta Braves. So, so it's like '92. So I am, um, so I'm watching television, and then, and we were never one of those. Premium cable kind of families like we my parents were never going to let us have like HBO and Skinamax and, and show it all the time. they were never going to let us have those kind of channels in our house and um, so i 'm flipping through the channels one night and I see. And I flip through this channel, and I get up into the, I don't. I think, I was, I think I was on a mission. I think I was on a mission to find something that I wasn't supposed to be able to watch. And so I'm flipping through, and, and back then we only had like, cable meant you had like 30 channels. So I skip past 30, and then I'm just going through the channel. It's just like 51, 52, 53, just going fast. All of a sudden, I get up into the 90s, and randomly at like 92, a channel comes on, and I went, whoa, what is this? Because it was late, and it was a cable show. Uh, premium channel. I, I think it was Showtime. And I went, dang. And I, I saw on the television um, things that you shouldn't see when you're a teenager. And uh, I let it stay on that channel for a very long time as I watched that channel for a little while. And, and so, so for a couple nights in a row, I would stay up and watch this channel, show it all the time. And I was, um, or Showtime, um, Uh, But I wanted them to show it all the time while I was, never mind. So anyway, so I'm watching, so I'm just trying to stay up like many teenagers do. Uh, Look, I know y'all are thinking, what are you, why why are you staying up late watching that? You didn't have the internet? No. No, it did not exist. So, um, so I'm watching this and in the back of my head, I hear this voice. I hear two of them once again. I hear God's voice saying, "Jeremy, what are you doing? This isn't who you are. And, 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 and I want you to value people more than you're valuing them right now. I want you to dignify people more than you're dignifying them right now. People aren't objects. People are people. And I hear this voice in the back of my head. But yet my desire in this moment is stronger than the voice. And so apparently God has to go to the next stage because I had these praying parents. So, I'm, so I'm, one night I'm watching television it's late. I'm watching Show It all the time. And I've got it on the channel, but I've got it muted um, so that my, because what I'm watching, you don't need any sound. So anyway, what I'm, so what I'm doing is I'm watching whatever. I'm just waiting on something. I'm waiting on a juicy part. I'm just waiting on a, is that bad? I just meant, whatever. So I'm waiting on something good. And I, um, so I'm, so I'm waiting on, I'm waiting on. Listen, guys. It wasn't. It wasn't. I don't know if y'all. I, I want to be. I want to I be clear. They didn't. It wasn't. It wasn't super graphic. It was just bad. It wasn't like what you can get on the internet nowadays. It was just bad. It wasn't. Anyway. Um, so so it was bad for back then. So so it's muted, and I'm watching, and um, I can hear my dad in the other room in the living room. He's watching TV, and I can hear his volume on his TV. And then all of a sudden, something happens. And I notice that what my dad is listening to is matching the words on the the people's lips on the screen in front of me. And I go, oh, my God, my dad's a pervert, which is extremely ironic considering what I'm staring at. It lasts for about two minutes. Just two minutes go by. I hear the TV turn off, and I hear my dad walk down the hall and go to bed. And I'm so quiet, I'm like, oh my God, I don't want to get caught. And then he goes to bed, I was like, great, here we go again. So I resume. The next day, I come home, I get ready to turn on the TV, and we have no channels anymore. And I go, what happened? So I go to my parents, I say, hey, what happened? The cable's not working. And dad goes, Yeah, I turned it off. And I went, why? He goes, bunch of crap on there we don't need to see. And that was it. It was done. I got caught. But nobody knew I got caught. Like my dad didn't know. Here's what I want you to know is that my parents were praying and God was keeping me on the short leash so that I never had this opportunity for this this habit to turn into an addiction and for this addiction to turn into something that held me, that kept me from doing everything that God wanted me to do. I watched it for a couple nights and God said, no, if you're not going to make the right decision on your own, then I'm going to help make it for you. Dad finds it, turns it off, it's gone, I don't have that option. I remember my brother was so mad. Adam, he's like, I just want to watch basketball. He, he loved ESPN, and he wanted to watch basketball. We didn't have ESPN anymore. He's like, I wanted to watch was basketball. And all I could think about was, man, my bad habit cost us basketball. <laughs> and I would just, I just was, I was always getting caught just before I would do something stupid. I would come in when I started driving. I would come in at night, and my dad would say, come here, let me smell your breath. Anybody whose parents ever smelled your breath? My dad would smell my breath. My dad was, um, my dad, would, before he got saved, I was five years old when he gave his heart to Jesus. My dad was an alcoholic and a drug addict. And he just, he just was like, he would look at my eyes sometimes. He said, let me see your eyes. And he would look at him. He was trying to see if my, like my, I didn't know it at the time because I was so innocent. Except for my two nights. I was so innocent at, at, um, at, at. It, I just didn't know what he was doing. I was like, what are you doing? He's like, I'm seeing if your pupils, pupil, pupils are dilated. I don't even know what he was, I didn't know what he was doing at the time. But I just know that he was always constantly checking on. And God was always trying to, he was always trying to keep up with my life. And he kept me on a short leash. And I knew, I think that the biggest reason was is that God knew that there were certain things that if I got involved in as a young person, it would haunt me and challenge me and change me to, To becoming something different than God wanted me to be that if I got too deep if I made too many dumb decisions if I started bad habits God was going to say I'm not going to allow that to happen and tonight what I want to tell you is this some of you are so lucky that you have praying parents that catch you all the time. Some of you have parents that don't pray at all, and, and, and God is not the center of the world, and yet God still gives them this discernment, and they still get this intuition. They still catch you doing dumb stuff. And then some of you in this room get to do anything you want. And what I'm going to tell you is this. The decisions you make at this age, the decisions you make, the habits that you build, the the, the habits that you form right now have the ability to... to to change you, this person that you dream to be, this person that God wants you to be, these habits that we form right now, they can change those. They can derail those. They can take you off track. There are young men and women in this room right now that would attest, they would attest to what I'm telling you. They would say, I know that God wanted me to do something. I got caught up in an addiction, and it has cost me years of my life. And what I'm telling you is, You can play around with drugs and alcohol and sexuality as much as you want to. But there are consequences. It is going to cost you something. It makes me so nervous for you what the what was so hard for me to like I had to hunt it down. You guys have it now on your phone. And I I just want to challenge you. There's some of you in this room right now, you don't need a phone. Like you need a flip phone. You don't need anything. You don't need to stare at a phone. You need, you need no temptation. You need a flip phone. And I want to challenge you. Be that person that says, you know what? My life, my future, my habits are worth are worth far more to me than being able to play a game on an iPhone. I'll take a I'll take a flip phone. You don't ever have to worry about it again. At least not on your phone. So my so God was always keeping me on the short leash and I think that over the next shortly after that I remember I was in 10th grade and I said, "You know what, God? I'm going to make a commitment that I'm going to I'm going to try to make the best choices I can about my life. I'm going to avoid the pitfalls that I see my friends are having and I just said, "Jesus, I want to live for you." And from then on my life was different. It was just different. Now, I will tell you this, weekends were tough because I didn't have really any friends that weren't going out doing dumb stuff, so I would sit at home and play video games with my brothers. Like, that was Friday nights for me. As a, as a sophomore and a junior in high school, sat at home, played video games, and watched Home Alone, which was our favorite movie, and we watched it like every single weekend. <laughs> We'd pop some popcorn. I was in 10th grade, and I decided I was going to build a tree house like I was just, this is what I did with my time. I was like, I'm just, I can't, I can't go do dumb stuff because I, because I want to live my life for Jesus. So I was building a tree house. I built this treehouse in this giant thirty foot tall tree. Now, when I say a treehouse, some of you think about a treehouse where you put, you put um, stilts in the ground and you build a platform on top. No, no, no. This was in a tree, thirty feet in the air, which which means it was as high as the ceiling. We built a treehouse up there. I never will forget. I, was, I, was, I had this brilliant idea about my treehouse. I thought what would be cool is it takes so much time to climb a ladder to get up into the treehouse. We could fall down. I said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to build a zip line into my treehouse. So I had this tree, and it was sitting on a, on a hill like this, and there was, was growing like this. And so I thought I would test it out first. I was like, okay, I got a great idea. What I'm going to do is I'm going to run down the hill with this rope in my hand, and then I'm going to see if I can swing up into the treehouse. I know y'all are thinking, Jeremy. Do you even understand physics? No, no, I do not. I know the Bible really well. Science, not so much. So, so I, I took this rope and I ran, and I couldn't. I could barely get me halfway. So then I decided I was going to build a, I was going to build a platform that just went, that um, kind of. So picture this. Here's the hill. Here's the platform, and it went up like this. And then I would run, and then I would hit that platform, and that would give me a little bit of extra, and then I would jump. So I did that, and it got me a little bit higher up. I was like, "That's just not enough." I've got a brilliant idea. I'm going to tie the rope around me, around my waist, and I'm going to get a pole, and I'm going to pole vault off of the end of the platform, which would give me much more momentum, and I'll be able to swing up into the treehouse. But I realized that maybe there was a little bit of danger to this, so I so I called up for my brother Joel. Joel, come here. I got something for you. I'm 16 years old at the time. My brother's 10. I said, Joe, I want you to do something. He's like, sure, Joe. I, look, I was—I have a gift. I don't have many gifts, but I have one gift, and I am really good at it. And it's just the spiritual gift of instigation. I can talk people into doing idiotic things, and I—and I appreciate that gift. And I have—and I have—I'm just going to tell you right now, I have—I have formed it into. Um, I use it really well. So, so, I talk, so I talked to my brother. I said, here's what we're going to do. We're going to tie this rope around your waist. You're going to run as fast as you can. You're going to pole vault off the end, and you're going to swing up into the treehouse. It's going to be brilliant. And he was like, great, I want to do that. Except he said this, yes, I want to do that. So, so I tied the rope around his, his, his um, waist, I gave him a pole. By the way, pole is is. I, I really am giving. I'm giving way too much credit to this thing that was in his hand. It was a stick that I cut the branches off of. So he had a. So he had a stick. He had a branch, and uh, and I said, "Run as fast as you can. Hit that thing." And so he does. As any good brother should, he does exactly what I tell him to. He goes as fast as he can. He pole vaults. He's in the air, and something that I didn't really quite. I just hadn't thought through real well. Remember, I told you I know the Bible really well, uh, physics not so much. And so what happened was, is I just tied the rope around it, and I tied it loose because I didn't want to cut him in half. Like as he, like if it was too tight. And so what happens is, is the, the rope slides up his body, and, and catches him like this. <laughs> so he jumps and pulls, and he's swinging, and all of a sudden the rope comes up and pulls up, and he's just like, and it gets stuck underneath his arms, and he's just like this. And then he just starts swinging like, a, like, the, like, the, um, like the, the part of a bell that just rings, bing, bing. And he's just slamming up against the tree. <laughs> he just keeps bouncing. So that's how I spent my weekends. As I had made a commitment just beating the crap out of my brother, I spent, I spent my weekends doing dumb things, but not dumb that were going to derail my life, Dumb that was just like, what can I do to be fun and creative? And little did I know that I was going to make up games that we were going to play 20 years later as a youth pastor, right? So, so, you know, I think one of the biggest turning points in my entire life, I was 10th grade, I didn't know what I wanted to do with my life. 11th grade, I didn't know what I wanted to do with my life. 12th grade, I still didn't know what I wanted to do with my life. Every year I had a different pl- dream 10th grade, I wanted to be a doctor. 11th grade, I wanted to be an FBI agent. 12th grade, I decided I was going to be a U.S. marshal. Who even knows where that came from? I'm not, like, I'm so scared of guns. I can't imagine being an FBI agent or a U.S. marshal. I think it came from the fact that I just watched the movie The Fugitive. Have you seen that? So I wanted to be Tommy Lee Jones. So one night my senior year, this super cool guy at our school, he's kind of the class most popular guy, befriends me, and I don't know why, other than just my charm and charisma. And so he befriends me. I'm just kidding. In my humility. So he befriends me and he says, Hey man, I want you to hang out with me on the weekends. I'm like, I'm so in. So we're hanging out on the weekends. And I, uh, I've, i told my teenagers this, we would go cruising for girls. Um, all that means is we would ride around and look for girls with no intention, with no idea what we would do if we found them. Um, but we would ride around with the, and just look for them. I that was actually a thing back in the day. You guys cruise for girls now on your cell phones. I cruised for girls in an actual car, and we had to do work. Um, we had to like talk to them. So, um, uh, so we're cruising for girls one night, and he says, he says, man, I'm so bored. Are you bored? I was like, yeah, I'm so bored. He says, let's go to a party. Uh, I know a couple people having a couple parties tonight, and I was like. And in 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 a split second, I had avoided these things for my entire high school, and all of a sudden, I feel this pressure, and I don't want to say no, and I don't want to say yes. And I was like, whatever. So I remember walking into this party one night. I'm a senior in high school, and I walk in, and uh, the minute I walk in the door, I feel this. I don't know any other way to describe it, but this feeling of um, darkness, sadness. Depression, And by depression, I don't mean like, the. De- I mean it just felt depressed. The whole, the whole room just felt like, what are we doing here? And I'll just tell you, um, if you'll live a life dedicated to Jesus, when you walk into darkness, you'll feel those things. If you don't live a life dedicated to Jesus, you don't, you don't notice those things. And so I walked in and I thought, what have I done? I looked over to the side, and there were a couple people, and they were, um, they were drinking. And I looked over here, and as I would, wa- and I walked through this house, and I was like, "There's got to be something." It was dark; the lights were off. It was darker than this. It was just this dingy, gross. And I walked, and I saw people doing drugs. I saw people. I saw people. D- it just was. I was like, "What have I done?" I told my friend. I said, "Man, I, I'm gonna go sit in the car." I went, and I sat in the car, and he he said, "Man, I'll be out in just a minute." He said, "I got to get something first. I didn't know he was going to do this. He went over and bought some weed. He comes out, stands in front of the car. There's a ring of people of uh, my friends. They're my friends. And they're standing about 10 or 12 of them right there. They light a, a joint and they start passing it around. And I hear that voice again. And the voice just says, Jeremy, this isn't you. I want to do something different with your life. One day, I want you to stand in front of teenagers, and I want you to tell them that there's a better life. It's not this. And in that moment, I began to hear God say, you're not going to be a U.S. marshal. You're going to be an FBI agent. I don't even want you to be a doctor, which is ironic because I never mind. But um, I don't even want you to be a doctor. I want you to to love teenagers the way that I would love them. And I said, a couple weeks later, it just clicked. I was like, this is what I'm supposed to do. Because I'd been listening. And I'd been shoving those things out of my life that didn't matter. That were going to derail me from hearing what God wanted to do with my life. I went to Bible college. I met my wife. We were married for 20 years before she passed away two months ago. And this was our dream, this. But in order to hear the dream, I had to push all that other crap out of the way. You have a chance at a better life, and it's not all that other crap. Jesus wants to use you. He wants to change you, and he wants you to use you to change others. That's his dream for your life. And there are some of you in this room that have just been coasting and like, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. And I want you to know two things. Number one, I want you to know that God's close. And number two, I want you to know that God wants the best for you. There's some of you in this room that are making idiotic decisions with your life and you don't even have the ability to hear God because that stuff clouds our ability to hear Jesus. He can't speak through the cloud of the bad decisions, except in this moment. Some of you all of a sudden just heard God or something in the back of your head say, what are you doing? This isn't your best life. It's time for you to give it to me. And I want you to know that's not just me talking. That's actually God talking to you. And that's the way he talks. And tonight I want to give you an opportunity, and I know it might make some of you nervous, but tonight I want to give you an opportunity. If you'll just close your eyes. I don't want you to bow your heads. I just want you to close your eyes. And I want to ask, I've got got about 15 leaders that I want to ask to come up here, and I'm going to ask you something super simple tonight. And it's just this. You would say, Pastor Jeremy, I want to hear God. And there are some dumb things that I have done or there's some dumb things that I'm doing. And my guess is, is that God's trying to talk and I just can't hear him because of that stuff. I'm ready to make a commitment to follow Jesus. I want to live my best life. If that's you in this room tonight, I just want you to know I've been praying for you for a long time. Will you lift your hand? I want to pray for you again tonight. Good. Anybody else? Good. Anybody else? I'm making dumb decisions. I'm ready to follow Jesus. I want to hear him. Good. Anybody else? Thank you. Anybody else? I've seen about seven hands. I see you. Anybody else? I've seen about seven hands. Anybody else? I see you. Anybody else? I'm going to wait a second. I see you. I'm going to wait a second because this moment's important. This moment has the ability to change the course of your life. I see you. This moment has the ability to for you to hear God say to you, that's not what I want you to do. This is what I want you to do. God has something He wants to speak into every person's life in here, and, and it's going to take a partnership. You can't just think that God's gonna speak through all the crap. Sometimes you gotta push some of that stuff away so that you can hear. Tonight, anybody else. I'm going to ask you to do something. Thank you. I see you. I'm going to ask you to do something very brave for me tonight. Just in about 30 seconds, I'm going to ask you to look at the person next to you, and all I want you to say is, "Hey, if you want to go up there and pray, I'll go with you. I'll, you." Just look at the person next to you on each side. In just a second, I'm going to tell you when to do it, and I want you to say, "Hey, if you want to go up there and pray, I'll go with you." Hey, we're going to get out and roast marshmallows and do all that stuff in a minute. But like that stuff ends tonight. This decision can be like forever. So will you do that with me? And you can be you can just just uh, just look at the person next to you and say, Hey, if you want to pray, so let's all stand. If you lifted your hand, I'm going to ask that you make your way up here. There's a handful of you that did. If you lifted your hand, do that. Those of you that not that didn't lift your hand, just look at the person next to you and say, Hey, you want to go pray? I'll go pray with you. Just look at them. Anybody that lifted your hand, if you'll come down here and pray. We're going to put on some music so that you'll be able to pray kind of in private. Anybody, anybody in here? Hey, if, there's, if you want to go down front and pray, I, I, I'll go with you. If there's anybody in this room that says, Pastor Jeremy, my life kind of sounds a little bit like yours right now. And it feels like all of these good decisions I'm making are worthless. Can I just tell you? They're not. You're building a habit of hearing Jesus. Will you do this with me tonight if you're in here and you're not coming down front to pray? Will you close your eyes and just point a hand this way? I want to pray for these that are at the front. Some of you still might want to pray. And I and, and drop everything you're doing whenever you want to and come down here, but let's let's just pray, okay? Jesus tonight, there are young people in here making big decisions. Decisions that they that it's time to make some changes to follow Jesus. Tonight, will you give them courage? Will you give them this um this determination to follow you with everything they have. In your name. Amen. Hey, I love you guys. If y'all will go out quietly for